But some of them are sick and some of them are traveling. So next week you get your surprise from the children. But this is just a little, a little um, sample of what you got coming. Um, so today the only children we have is Charlie and Allie. So we're going to represent the children's division today. And we asked them what the favorite song was and they want to sing. What song are we going to sing? Uh, Peter and John. Okay, we're going to sing Peter and John went to pray. And since there's just the four of us, does anybody, know, does anybody else know this song, Peter and John went to pray? Would you sing along with us? Because we could use a little extra support this morning. Okay. So I think that you, is this working? So I think you all have a lot of things to be thankful for, and I just want to see a show of hands. How many of you have in your heart, as you're thinking right now, something you're really thankful for? Okay, I love that. Yeah. We have so much for which to be thankful. I lived in a country where many women couldn't go anywhere because they didn't have clothes that covered their body. <clears throat> and everyone here looks pretty good. <laughs> um, I think my most thankful thing is that Jesus died for me. And every person can say that. He's there to get everybody. He's after every single person. And I love him for that. Um, I'd like to hear what you have for your special thanks. If someone is thankful about something, um, this mic can come to you, and you could let us know. If you have a special prayer request, let us know. And I want to pray for the missionaries. Okay, raise your hands. I saw lots of hands. I know you're thankful.
afternoon, Priest Glow. Um, I just want to thank the Lord for an awesome Thanksgiving holiday. My, I was able to spend it with my sister and her family. They came down, and uh, it was just really a blessing. Um, but I'd like to ask for prayer for George. He's not here today because he's at home with a very painful toothache. Um, of course, it happens when there's no dentist around, so he's got to suffer through it over the weekend. But um, I just ask that you would pray for him. Okay, anybody else? I'm very thankful because we have some of our family here. We've got Vicki and Doug's mom and Ed here today, and I'm just very thankful that they're here with us today. Thanksgiving is a good time because we have family. I see that um, Reese and James have some very special guests right now, one of which I haven't seen in a long time. Anybody else? <clears throat> okay, I just want to see hands again. How many have big, important, deep prayer requests in your heart? Okay. Okay, let's bow our heads for prayer. Our Father in heaven, we're so privileged to have you for our God. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for that you put thanks and joy and happiness, and that the more we praise you and thank you, the more happiness and peace and joy you give us. I just want to praise you for that. And Lord, <clears throat> you know the deep requests of the hearts of people here. And you care. And I've seen you answer some of my most heartfelt needs. Thank you so much. Bless us, be here with us, strengthen us, change us, make us like Jesus. Amen. Our scripture reading comes in two parts. First verse is Matthew twenty five forty. It says, the, and the king shall a, will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. And then in uh, Matthew 28. Eight nineteen and twenty twenty eight nineteen and twenty it says oh these pages of new Bible that stick kind of stick together. Matthew twenty eight nineteen and 20. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name 
of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So I just um, want to slip in here to introduce who's going to be speaking today. Um, Dan Fuller is having a little slideshow. Those of you that aren't used to community Sabbath, today, the fourth Sabbath of every month, we have a special Sabbath where we have, we try to involve as many people from the congregation as possible. And we usually have a whole host of little children, but most of them are gone for one reason or another this, week, this particular Sabbath. But we have a special thing that happened this Sabbath in that um, uh, Joanne, who just had the prayer request time, is Dan's mother, and, and Leroy is his father. And every Sabbath, I'm looking around and realizing there's a lot of people that don't know this, so I think it's really cool I'm telling you this, that every Sabbath, when we have our prayers and prayer time, Joanne always raises her hand and she says, pray for the missionaries. And we all wonder who the missionaries are. Well, we don't all wonder, but people wonder who are the missionaries that she prays for every single Sabbath. Well, praise the Lord, we have an opportunity to hear from one of their favorite missionaries. This is their own son. And so for Community Sabbath, this this particular time, we split the time with him, and he's going to give us a, a, a small show, a slideshow of the missionaries that he, we're praying for every single Sabbath. We're praying for all the missionaries, don't get me wrong. But I know that you are pretty dear to their heart. You can tell them where you're at. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's very important to pray for missionaries, more so than you realize. Um, I've spent the last two years in Guatemala. And when we arrived there, I was given the responsibility of trying to feed a school of 350 students. Um, the school's financial footing is very, very unstable right now for a number of reasons. And the students were not getting proper nutrition, and it was affecting their study. So I want to just share with you a little bit about what I've done in Guatemala for this year and, and but for the last two years. Guatemala is a country in Central America. It is the ancestral um, kingdom, territory of the Mayan Indians, and many of the, the tourist attractions in Guatemala are things that the Mayan Indians built. And this area here is known as Tikal. Um, yeah, go ahead. That's fine. Go ahead to the next slide. It's um, an extremely beautiful country of rolling hills, of volcanoes, um, lakes, rivers. Um, primarily farming is done there. They do have some mining, but the country's farming. This is a typical Guatemalan family and village, typical dress. Um, Guatemala is the poorest country in Central America, has the greatest poverty rate, the lowest um, education, the lowest health of all the countries in Central America. Guatemalans suffer from a lot of health conditions. Um, least access to clean water. A person is considered to have access to clean water if they don't have to walk more than five miles and can carry five gallons. If you can walk five miles and carry five gallons, you have access to water in Guatemala. 
Um, that's flushing your toilet twice a day, more or less. And, and yet we have water to drink and shower and cook and everything else. Um, next slide. Um, when I got there to Guatemala, to this school, it's in the northern part of Guatemala, um, they were not producing anything that could be used in the cafeteria. And yet the school was considered one of the agriculture schools in the country, one of the better ones. And yet there was no production. And they asked me, can you please help us get some production from our agriculture program? Um, and so I went to work with some plans and, and help from people and have over two years developed a program that is now providing food for their cafeteria. Um, next slide. Um, this is just a couple slides now of some of the things that we're doing. This is black beans, a field of black beans and corn, and right here is soybeans. Next slide. Um, one of the things that the cafeteria uses is seasonings, cilantro, um, basil, different things like that. One of the problems that they have is they would plant an entire field in cilantro. And it would ripen, and you got about two weeks at most to use up that. And then the rest of the year, they would have no cilantro. And so now we are trying to organize it so that there's always cilantro being planted and always harvested so that the kitchen has a steady supply of things, which takes quite a bit of planning. Next slide. Um, this is the tomato field and students working in it. Next slide. Watermelon. We harvested several ton of watermelon from this field. We got a really good crop of watermelon. We did have some problem with neighbors coming in at night and bringing trucks in and hauling away trucks of watermelon. Um, but we still had, the students had watermelon. We were able to sell some in town. Next slide. Okay, the, the top picture is what the pineapple looked like a year ago when I came to this church. And I think I actually showed that picture here. That's what it looked like this year. Most of the plants have pineapples on them. Um, we got a really good crop of pineapple. Um, we're able to just give that to the kitchen. One of the problems there is there was no fruit on campus. Uh, wrap your mind around this. This country grows bananas, and they had not one banana plant on campus. And it's a lack of planning. It's a lack of initiative. Whatever it is, I don't know. They just needed somebody to say, okay, we can do this. Um, the culture in Guatemala is one that there's a lot of jefes, a lot of bosses, and you go to school so you don't have to work. Okay? So teachers won't work. They're the teacher. And students are not going to work because they're in school so they don't have to work. And so the teachers weren't working and the students weren't working. And they needed somebody to go there that was willing to pick up a hoe or a pick, break ground, and plant things. Um, and they were just dumbfounded when they saw me, uh, a foreigner, pick up a hoe and go out and work. And I worked so hard, I got pneumonia. Um, next slide. This year I have a tractor. Thank you very much. I am so grateful. There are people in this church that helped get this tractor. Um, I did not, uh, my health was better this last year, and we used this tractor heavily. Um, I planted a thousand banana plants this year, and, and the school is already starting to harvest these. Um, we have papaya now, 
um, 16,000 plants. And our plan was to export. And if I could speak Spanish better, I would have arranged for foreign export of the papaya, but I don't speak Spanish very well yet. I'm learning. Um, and there was no planning in place to deal with all the papaya that we have. And so we're selling it locally and getting a little bit of money, but we should be exporting it. But we have plenty of papaya for the, for the cafeteria now. Next slide. Here's the students processing this papaya. And these are big papayas. And I don't know if anybody's ever bought a papaya in the store here in the United States. They don't taste good. I'm telling you, they're terrible. These papaya are so sweet and so good. Next slide. Okay. Um, everything we do down there, especially before I got the tractor, has to be done by hand. And so clearing new land in the school desperately, you know, they have a huge amount of property. Um, let's see, in acres, I don't know, it's, it's close to 1,000 acres. There's a lot of land. And they were not using more than about five or six acres for farming. And this year, we've come close to double that, but there's still a lot of work that needs done. Um, so here we are, clearing land. And next slide. Last year, I planted about 3,000 pineapple plants, and this year, I planted another 3,000. Next slide. And here, the, here this is. This is actually behind the house that we lived in. We cleared all of this jungle and, and planted that this year with the students. Um, and this year, the students are actually see the value of work and what can actually be accomplished. You know, for like 20 years, this school has been the same. Without making a lot of progress, without, you know, expanding their farm or doing much with it, you know, they, they run these students through this agri agriculture program um, where they were doing some work, but not a lot. And, and now I have three teachers that will actually go out and work with the students. But it's very difficult. If somebody drives by, a parent, they stop working. They feel very self-conscious when somebody sees them with a hoe. And it's very hard for them, but they are learning that there is nobility, there is um, in, in good, honest work. Um, next slide. Last year, I put in garden beds, and this is how this looked last year. Okay, and next slide. This is the way it looks now. Well, not now, at the beginning of this school year. Um, this, and about February, March time frame, we put in, we doubled the number of garden beds, got more work done on the greenhouse. Um, next slide. And we are providing the cafeteria with a lot of the green vegetables that they need. Um, this is, yeah, you can just go through these slides here. Um, this is cilantro, onions, um, cabbage. Green beans. You guys, I kid you not, I had green beans that were three feet long, 36 inches long. And we were harvesting so many green beans, we couldn't use them all. I have one other challenge that I'm faced with. Guatemalans are very cultural in what they eat. They eat specific things on specific days of the week. And so when they see something new, we don't eat that. <laughs> well, please try it once. <laughs> And many times it's like, yeah, no, we don't really care for that. I had problem with certain types of things in the, what, the cabbage family, like collards and things like that. They're just too strong. Um, but when they tried these green beans, at first they said, no, we don't eat those. They love those green beans. They're more tender. They have better flavor than the green beans that they eat in the country. Ejote, is that right for green beans, I think? Um, next slide. Um, poultry. The school has to have a poultry program. 
in order to meet the government requirements for an agriculture school. But they were really struggling. And we've built a couple more large chicken houses, pens. Um, here we are in the process of doing construction. Most of my students come from a village setting where they have never held a hammer and especially power tools, never had their hands on power tools. So they are getting a more broad-based education now where with students that have never done any construction, um, we're building things and they are learning. And not all the construction is turning out perfect. When it comes to construction, I'm a perfectionist um, and I've had to <laughs> separate myself from that because when you put something in somebody else's hand and tell them to measure it, and they measure it differently than you do. And when they started to get their mind around the concept that you measure to a sixteenth of an inch, that was amazing. Because normally if it's between two inches, okay, it's an inch and a half or whatever. And, and, but we have some really nice chicken pens now. Next slide. Um, 700 baby chicks. And right now the school is in the process of selling these chickens. And this is providing re much needed revenue for the school. Uh, next slide. We have 1,500 chickens laying eggs now. And that provides eggs for the cafeteria. And we are selling eggs. Almost on a daily basis, sending you know, a truckload of eggs. And my goal is to have three chicken pens of 1,500 chickens each selling eggs all the time and then just rotate those chickens. Always there's a house with younger chickens in it. Always there's a house of chickens that are reaching like the age that they're not laying as much. And so we're getting ready to sell those chickens. And, you know, just a constant rotating cycle. Um, and this puts the school on much better uh, financial footing. Next slide. Oh, here's my English class. In addition to um, being in charge of their agriculture program, they asked me to help teach English. Um, and so I, I said, I will do this on one condition, that I can have the first-year students. Because by the time they got third, fourth, you know, year, years there in school, they have learned that rules don't apply to them. And they can do pretty much whatever they feel like. But the younger students are a little easier to work with. And I knew that I could teach them English. And they have learned quite a bit of English in one year. Now, I'll also have these students this next year as a possibility. Uh, they don't know entirely what this next year holds, but... Um, and next slide. And my wife, Laura, and one of her friends there, they're both teachers there. Laura is responsible for the school's entire English program, but there's just too many classes, and so I took one, and another, another girl that speaks some English took a couple classes. But we're, she's teaching, she's in charge of the school's English program, and the government has very specific requirements depending on what program you're in, whether it's agriculture or whether it's one of the sciences, that you have to learn some English and be proficient. Okay, next slide. Ah. Um, this little girl, how am I on time? I, I totally don't have any clue. I'm okay, all right. This little girl came to us at the beginning of this, this year, and she's blind in one eye. When she was an infant, she had an eye injury, and there was nothing anybody would do for her. They took her to a doctor, and the doctor says, I don't want to touch it. Um, because I don't feel competent enough to deal with this. I think it was more of a financial issue for him. They couldn't pay anything. Um, the eye could have been saved as an infant, but she lost this eye, 
and it started growing tissue over the eye. I think probably cells were, the wrong kind of cells were introduced into the eye, and they continued to grow, and it grew tissue over the eye. Um, she needs glasses. Um, she was failing school because she couldn't see with the one good eye well enough to, to study. Um, and go to the next slide. There she is now. Um, she was made fun of in school. She has a very, very, very low self-esteem. Um, really, really sad case. This whole family struggled. Um, she doesn't know her father. Her mother tried to raise six kids by herself. Got remarried sometime in this girl's life, and the father didn't want it any, anything to do with these kids. Um, so she's much, ha- much happier now. And... Um, we're going to pay for her education, and, and we still have to get her good glasses, but she'll attend school this next year. Um, next slide. This last school year, um, we had a week of prayer twice. A local pastor did one, and I did another week of prayer, and we baptized 63 kids. Um, and only, two, if I remember right, only two or three came from... Previous, I think there was a, a staff member that had a child that was baptized this year. There was a few others that had an Adventist background. Um, the rest of these students came from non-Adventist homes, um, most of which have a Catholic background, but the country has, in the last 10 years, become less and less Catholic. In the year 2000, about 87% of the country was Catholic, and now it's about 50%. Um, and there is a very large percent of the population that no longer have any religious affiliation. Um, so right now, the country is, is ready for Adventist gospel. Um, 90% of the work, church work, is done right around the school where I'm at. That's where most of the converts are coming from. That's where... Water for Life is going in, putting in wells where they don't have water. At the same time, they're doing evangelistic meetings, holding dental clinics, um, and starting churches. Um, and next slide, I think it's just of the baptism. And I want to close with a story um, that was really meaningful to me. And I want to reinforce the idea that to do mission work, you don't have to go outside of this country. You don't have to go outside of this town. Um, You don't even have to go outside of your family. Um, One day I woke up. Actually, it had been several days in a row. I was asking God to reveal to me more clearly his love for me. And I was feeling stagnant in my religious life. And... It was Friday morning, again, in my private devotions, I prayed this prayer, and I said, Lord, please, reveal your love to me in a way that connects with me. Um, And I got up, and I drove to work. And I worked all day, and not expecting anything to happen or anything. And always, it was my habit on my way home on Friday to stop by a grocery store and to pick up a few things that we would use for the, the weekend. We'd already done our grocery shopping for the week. But I always, just to get something special for Sabbath, it was my habit to do something like that, um, just to get something. And so I went into this grocery store, um, and I often 
I don't know if I should reveal this. I don't shop like a lot of guys do um, unless I'm shopping for myself. Then I go in and I get it and I walk out. I pay for it, of course, and then I walk out. Um, But if I'm shopping for my family and food, I will often go through the aisles of the store and just see what's there. And if I think of something special for, like, for Sabbath dessert, I'll get it. Um, And I was going through these aisles one direction, and there was a lady and and three kids, an infant in in the seat of the cart. What do you call that? The shopping cart seat. I don't know. They have a child seat there. Um, And then there was two younger kids. And they were going through the aisles the opposite direction of me. And, but she was still going through the aisles, not just going here and there and there and then leaving. And every time I saw her, she was studying very carefully the ingredients on every single box. And I thought, my goodness, here's somebody that's more careful about what they eat than me. Um, and next aisle, I noticed the same thing. And on the third aisle, I watched her study something and then look in her cart set it back on the shelf, get something else and study it. And it dawned on me at that moment she was not studying the ingredients. She was doing math calculations in her head. And she was trying to maximize the amount of food that she could get with the amount of money that she had. And I instantly instantly, um, felt impressed that I needed to do something to help this family. And I said, Lord, what? How can I help them? Um, I'm, especially then, I was not as outgoing, and I didn't know how to walk up to somebody and say, "Do you need money?" <laughs> um, and I didn't know, you know, I didn't know how to break the ice. And I, and Lord, what do I do? And and I noticed right then she was heading for the the checkout, and I had five dollar bill in my pocket, and I just pulled it out, and I dropped it on the floor, and I picked it up. And, and I followed her to the checkout counter. And I said, excuse me, I, you, I was following you, and I just saw this on the floor. I picked it up. Is it yours? <laughs> and she studied it for a long time. And finally she says, no, it's not mine. And I said, well, I don't need it. Do you need it? And she says, you don't know how much I need it. And so I handed it to her. And she, she sent her daughter back to get some more food. And I was checking out. Um, and I didn't give it much more thought. But as it turned out, they were walking to their car about the same time I was walking to my car. And again, she said, thank you so much. You don't understand how much I needed that. And I said, well, what's going on? Is your, are, your, are you guys okay? And she says, no, we're not. And she started to tell me this story of how her husband had been promised a job if they would move to the town that I lived in, to Spokane. And when they got there, the company refused to hire him. And they had nothing. They were living in a car with three kids and trying to survive, and they had been there for a couple months. And in that time, they had asked if they could borrow somebody's carport, you know, the part in front of the garage. One day they accidentally backed their car into their garage door and ruined their garage door too. And so they were being held accountable for that. Um, 
And they, she said, we don't have enough food. Um, we are not eating. And I said, okay, well, let me put my things in my car and let's go in and let's get you the food that you need. And she couldn't believe her ears. And, and so I did that. And we get in. And this poor lady, I don't know where she was mentally, but she just unloads all of her, all of the problems that they're facing. And we're going through this, this grocery store. I'm pushing this cart. And she's just nonstop talking about everything that their family has faced. And I'm thinking, <laughs> it was a little awkward for me. Um, what do I do? And pretty soon I just said, well, okay, I think they could use that. And I start putting stuff in the cart for her because she's not getting anything. Um, I guess they were just so stressed. And the fact that she could just share the burdens on her heart with somebody was, was meaningful to her. And finally she, she stopped and she says, what church do you go to? And I said, oh, well, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. And she says, oh, aren't you guys like hypocrites? <laughs> And I didn't know exactly how to respond um, to that. Are we hypocrites? And I said, yeah, I think probably some of us are hypocrites. And I think you'll find that in any religion. But really, what is a hypocrite? And she, she just paused. She was like, she had this label for us, but she didn't really think of what it was. And she says, well, you're not a hypocrite. <laughs> and I said, well, yeah, probably I am. But she said, but you're helping me. And... We continued going to the store, and pretty soon I said, you know, ma'am, you, you really need to pick out what you guys really need. And it was like the first time she connected with what we were doing there, because I had put some things in there. I didn't know what they needed. And she says, yeah, I need this, this, and this, and a few other things, and we got it and left. And I got back in my car, and I was driving home Friday afternoon. And it was then that I finally connected with me, that God had answered my prayer that morning. And it was a very meaningful experience to me that God showed his love to me by using me to show his love to somebody else. Because in that act, I saw that God does the same thing for me. Every day, I have food. Every day, I have a roof over my head. Every day, I have all of these things. And we don't think about it. We don't show the gratitude that we should because... We have it every day, and it just reminded me anew that just to reach out, to share God's love with somebody else that's around you, that's what a missionary is.
There's nothing worth more that will ever come close. Nothing can compare. You're a living hope. Your presence, Lord. I've tasted and seen. Sweetest of loves, when my heart becomes free and my shame is under your presence, Lord. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come fly.
verses 8 through, let's see, 12. It says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. We're going to sing Joy to the World. It's a little different than what you might Um, It's a little different than the traditional, but I'm sure you guys will be able to learn it quick. (laughs) Joy to the world, the Lord is come.
Um, since it's Community Sabbath, and since there's so many of you that don't know who these people are, I want you to know who they are. So I'm just going to let them say who they are and where they're from. Some of these people don't know you, so just tell them where you came from. Some of them have come quite a ways to be here today, and it's a miracle they're here, and you need to know it. It's really important. Okay. I'm Kira, and I'm from here, but I'm going to school in Tennessee, so I flew down for Thanksgiving and yeah, this weekend. And I got in Thursday night. Yeah. What? Yes. Yes. <laughs> so I'm not from here, but I've been living here for like nine years, so I'm originally from Mexico, but um, I come here every Sabbath almost. <laughs> and my name is Anna. <laughs> yeah, that too. Nick. Yeah. Hi, my name is Ivan and I'm Russian. Uh, okay. I, I uh, study at Andrews University at the seminary. Um, it's my third and most likely the final year. And um, this is my home now, has been for 10 years, and it will be for, hopefully, for longer. So, it's good. That's right. I love you all. My name is Doug. This is my grandson, Charlie. And uh, I'm from here, thankfully. And I love being from here. Hi, my name is Brittany, and I'm from Costa Rica, and I've been living here over a year and a half. Hi, uh, my name is Roxy. Uh, I came here over four years ago. I'm from El Salvador, and yeah, <laughs> I, I, I I live here. I'm studying here. <laughs> Doesn't that make it more meaningful for you? Of course. See, they said so. They said so. So um, community Sabbath is really a fun thing. And a lot of times I, I a lot of times have a lot to do with organizing community Sabbath. But most of the time I don't have to get up here very much because we have so many people to share. But today several people weren't here. A couple people on the praise team just had a brand new baby got people traveling for Thanksgiving, all these things. So um, one of the exciting things about Community Sabbath for me, I don't remember how many years it's been we've been doing it. It's been several years now. But one of the things that's really exciting about Community Sabbath is the way that the people, uh, the, the God puts the program together. And I'll just keep my ears open all month long. I used to get kind of panicked because I go, we're getting kind of close, and I don't have a plan. But then sometimes he'll give it to me months in advance. But it's so cool when it just kind of comes together. And if you've noticed the theme through here, it's just beautiful to me because the question, I have two questions for you this morning. As I was, I wrote this down so I could say it without extra words because I have a problem with that. As I was pondering our community Sabbath Thanksgiving celebration this year, I was thinking that the biggest thing we as Christians have to be thankful for is God's word. You agree? Isn't that like one of the biggest things? And everything else I thought of came down to God's word. Yeah? But since it's community Sabbath, 
we need to know what you think. Now, I know we're a little dead over time, so don't worry. I'm not going to take a long time. Don't panic. No panicking. So um, I'm going to ask, whenever we do Community Sabbath, usually I get it in the bulletin. I don't put my name in there. I usually put the congregation, but I messed up and I didn't get it right this time. So the congregation, it's your turn. It's your turn. So the question is, do you personally think your life is better because of God's word? Your life personally. Your life personally. Raise your hand if your life personally is better because of God's word. Your life personally. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I saw just pretty much every hand go up. Okay, next question. There's only two questions. Again, don't panic. Okay. What are some things that God's word teaches that has or does make our lives better than if you just did whatever you wanted to and felt like doing? And read it one more time. What are some things that God's word teaches that has or does make our lives better than if you just did whatever you wanted to or felt like doing? Now, we just saw a whole slideshow that was chock full of things, right? So um, I, I have, anybody want to raise your hand and give that a, tell us what comes to your mind. Think on your life personally. What is something that God's word teaches that has or does make your life better than if you just did whatever you wanted to or felt like doing? Yeah. You got one right here. Good. Got one the right there. The fruits of the spirit. The fruits of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness. Wow, that was a packed answer. Good job. And so quickly. Yes, the fruits of the spirit. The fruits of the spirit. In the dark ages... When they didn't have Bibles, you saw the fruits of the Spirit go away, right? But when they got their Bibles back, they started coming back again. It's really good, Lacey. And then we had one down here. I think the Sabbath. It's on. It's on. We're hearing you. I think the Sabbath is uh, one of the big, biggest blessings that's, that the Bible teaches because it's a time when we can be the closest to our to our Father in heaven and to Jesus, and it's a little taste, foretaste of of heaven. Amen. So I think it's a it's a real blessing to uh, to all of us as we as we understand what it is, the meaning of of what the Sabbath is all about. Mm-hmm. Yes, is Sabbath a blessing for you, the rest of you? Yes? Have you ever had the Sabbath come up where you just halt and all of a sudden realize how really tired you are? And all of a sudden you go, wow, God knew what he was doing. He knew I was going to need this before I was even created. It's pretty cool. Okay, who's next? Bay. Um, there, there is and there always has been a truth in every... Um, every aspect of life and um, in order to figure that out it seems like people try to figure that out but in in our world our little world that sin has entered Satan has really worked with his lies and so there's the facts are there's lies and there's truth and so um, we're told that we should search God's word and stick with that so that we don't get in you know distracted and and um, 
bamboozled by his lies and follow the wrong, the wrong leader. Mm-hmm. So I'm thankful that there's something that we can always look to mm-hmm. and, and dig it out and find it out and, and mm-hmm. stick with it. Mm-hmm. Have you had, very good. Have you had that experience where you will, where God will impress you something's got to change in your life? And it's from his word. You've found it. It's got to change. But, but, but you're at the place where you're going, God, I don't know how this is going to change because I'm so dependent on whatever this is that I don't know how this is going to change. And I need you to show me what's on the other side of it. Have you had this experience? And then when you get on the other side of it, all of a sudden, you go, oh, that's why God was saying this all along. He had a better picture for me. That's kind of what you're saying? Yes. It's a beautiful way. And another one? Another one. Randy. Love. God's love. If you think about it, it's not just for here, it's forever. God's love. Not just for here, but forever. I love the way men can do that. Men, they just say three words and they just say about a whole hour of my talking. God's love. Not here, but forever. In a world with sin, if we go to ourselves, we become selfish, right? We immediately go selfish. When my husband, uh, I'll be reading or something, and I'll say, you want me to have this worship because it gets rid of all the toxins in my heart. And then when you, when you come at it with God's love, it takes over and makes you unselfish. So suddenly this person that would be so selfish is unselfish and loving. It's beautiful, Randy. Did I, did I, did I mess your thought up there? Did I say it correctly? Got it? Okay. Uh, Reesey. Some of the verse that says acknowledge your sin, and that's hard to do. That's something I wouldn't want to do, but I realize that when I acknowledge my sin before God, that's how I can receive forgiveness. To acknowledge our sin. Now, without God, what would we do? We would never acknowledge our sins. We'd try to blame it on the next guy. That's what you want to do naturally. Blame it on somebody else, and if you have to take the blame, then try to skirt it, right? But God says... Acknowledge your sin because it's safe. You could acknowledge your sin, and I'll help. And I'll help you overcome. It's beautiful. God's word opened up a new reality to me, and I think of that verse that says, we, "For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers." And it was that realization that this isn't reality necessarily, but there's a bigger reality that God has for each of us, and it was only through His word that developed that train of thought and so now our wrestling isn't horizontal but our wrestling is actually vertical both god and that is so well put our our wrestling is no longer vertical it's horizontal it's beautiful yeah um joy joy comes to mind the joy that's in my heart right now is exploding (laughs) because jesus loves me amen because Jesus loves us all. And Amen. this is this is the plan he had for us. Amen. Not not out there. Amen. You know, <laughs> this is his whole word, his whole instruction manual, if you will, the called the Bible, is a story of do this and you shall have joy. Amen. Do this not, and you shall have pain. <laughs> and just that realization should just make you like I am a mess right now, but I don't care. I I am not ashamed, and it says in the Bible that my God is not ashamed, and he picked me. 
this broken spirit. Amen. He picked me, picked Amen. every one of us. Before we were thought of, he knew our name. Amen. Amen. Joy. <laughs> you said that so well, I don't even know how to touch it. <laughs> Except to say it's a perfect example of what I said earlier on Community Sabbath, how we'll, we'll have this theme. Like today we had three separate people working. We didn't put our heads together. We were working separately and we put it together. Guess what song they're closing with? Joy. Joy to the world. <laughs> a couple more. Let's just get a couple more. This is too beautiful. We can't stop it quite yet. Let's just get a couple more. Any others? In the back, James. Similar to what Randy said, but more of the person of God in Jesus Christ. I am dysfunctional and come from a very dysfunctional background, and it would be very difficult for me to even say those words if there wasn't somebody who could understand me and somebody who could accept me as I am. Amen. And I don't see that in human beings anywhere. Amen. I don't, I've looked for it in a lot of different places, and I don't find it. The last place I looked for it was in the Seventh-day Adventist church, and I don't find it here, but I do find it in Jesus. Amen. And that allows me to know that I'm loved, even though I'm fully known, and it gives me just this incredible picture of who God is. Amen. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. I like it, what the Bible teaches of how much God thinks of everybody. And he said, in as much as you've done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. Yes. So he counts us like himself. Yes. That's the beautiful part of God's love is that first you, you find out that he loves you that way, and then all of a sudden you realize that, you get to love everybody else that way. It's beautiful. Okay, one more, two more, a couple more. Okay, Fred. Your slide says, um, better than if you just did whatever you wanted to. That made me think of Second Corinthians 5, where it says, instead of living for ourselves... Uh, his love constrains us. Ties in with a little bit of what Randy and, and James said. His love constrains us that if he died for all of us, we should not, and we all died with him, it says. We should no longer live for ourselves. So I think his word teaches that reality that we we wouldn't know otherwise, that we were included with that. And so it motivates it motivates our lives um, to live differently. Mm-hmm. And, and it's counterintuitive because we actually think we find joy from living for ourselves. Yeah. It's but, like a poison cake or something. And it, yeah, we wouldn't, we wouldn't realize that, no, the true joy comes from not living for yourself. Amen. And so that's, that's how it has uh, made our lives better. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Can you read the scripture one more time? The love of Christ constrains us that because we thus judge that if one died for all, all died. And that he died for all that those who live, which must be all of us, should not henceforth live unto themselves, That's just so but unto him which died for them and rose again. It's beautiful. That's just beautiful. I love the way a scripture just so much thought in it. And I thought of what Dan showed us the pictures and he was saying that, that the people 
the kids would stop working when the parents went by because it was a new lifestyle they were learning. And, and as soon as they're getting in God's word, they're learning that, listen, on the other side of this is some productivity that's going to really benefit you. It's a perfect example of what you're reading here. Is there a couple more? Ivan? Yeah. It's, <clears throat> well, I am, the more I'm learning in school and in life, I realize that, like, everything, what just was said, it just connects with this thought, is that I cannot do anything by myself. I need a community. Like, if I have my entire body, well, like, this hand does things differently than this hand, mm-hmm. but I need both hands to accomplish something. Mm-hmm. And so, for me, in this church, everyone is important. Mm-hmm. Like, we all have issues and problems, mm-hmm. but this is sin. Mm-hmm. And so, we do fight against, you know, more than just, you know, our, ourselves, even though self is sin. And so um, that's when I have to come to God daily mm-hmm. and ask for forgiveness because who am I? Mm-hmm. But when we have each other, that's the only way we can survive and accomplish something. That's really beautiful because what I'm hearing is that he's bringing out a really important point that not only, did he, and not only is he adequate for us, but he gave us a church family. And as we put our shoulders together, then it's, 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 it takes it to a whole other level. That's beautiful. It's really beautiful. Any others? You guys look like there's a bunch of thought wanting to pop out. I just want to make sure we don't miss it. Ah, Vicki, I was hoping so much because I know that they got a lot of thought over here. I, as we just in, we're entering into the Christmas season, I'm, I'm loving the name of um, Emmanuel um, because the meaning is God with us. Amen. And um, I'm, I'm learning from what he modeled for us in my life. And I'm really thankful for that, that no matter where we are or where we find others, mm-hmm. um, just as Jesus did, he touched, mm-hmm. he spent time with, he, he was there. And I love that. I, I love that um, I can follow in his steps and be with no matter what. No matter where a person's at or where, where I find myself or they are. And so thankful for that. That's really Emmanuel, beautiful. Emmanuel, God with us. God with us. That's really cool because I never put it together with we are the hands and feet of Jesus. And we can be with one another as God's hand and feet. God with us. Beautiful thought. Beautiful thought. Just a couple more. Anybody else? I think uh, one thing that the Bible teaches that would cure a lot of the world's problems is do unto others as you would have them to do unto you. (laughs) See, that's another man talking just three sentences. I mean, three words. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Yeah, if if, if we apply that, but in the world without Jesus, that's not there. It's beautiful. Any others? Any more? Last thoughts? All righty. Okay, so at this time, I'm going to ask the praise team to come back. And it was so, I had a hard time picking last night, but Joy was the one that I chose. Joy for the, for the last song because I was listening to it and I went, oh, this is it. 
This is exactly the message. And then Vicki brought it on home when she brought in the Christmas song of Emmanuel. Okay, so let's sing with them. I'm going to invite you guys to stand and join us if you're able for the last closing song.
come to the altar giving you thanks for another year, for another day, for the, another breath that I can breathe right now. For this world is suffering and we've got to be real because there's a lot of hurt and pain. But God, we're focusing on you because you are our hope. You are the love and the life. So we give ourselves, our families into your hands because that's the only way we can survive. And God, come quickly. But right now, Lord, we just want to thank you, thank you, thank you. We cannot thank you enough. Not just for the things that we have because it's important, but God, we thank you for the cross. And as this is also Christmas season, God, we just want to ask you to help us to focus on what you have done for us on the cross. Be with us and go before us. Thank you. I pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. So you may be seated, and that's the end of our church program. But you, lucky for you, some very dear people, and their names are written over there, made a bunch of muffins for us. Let's see, Brenda, right over here is Brenda. Brenda, come on, stand up so we can see you. This is Brenda. And then you three in the back, can you stand up so we can see you too? Come on, guys. They're home from Milo, and they made muffins for us. Should we give them a hand? I think we should. Thank you all very much for your cooking, and please try a muffin before you leave. Happy Sabbath.